Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the Runners World podcast with me, Rick Pearson. Me, Ben Hobson. And me, Jane Maguire. Today we're speaking with Paralympian Kadena Cox. You are back, Jane. People thought you'd left. How are we, guys? How are we? been a while well. oh, i've gone really far away from my mic i've forgotten how to podcast gone down a well gone down a well sorry i'm here <laughs> she's forgotten she goes she, you know a few weeks out she's completely forgotten what to do yeah what's the mic? And this what's is why headphones? people this is why we should just just get rid no um <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> i'd love that that would be how you tell this is jane's last um episode and yeah. it was about mic. <clears throat> ultimately it was the mic technique that was her undoing yeah, it yeah. was. It was the fact she forgot her dodgy internet connection and her mic were the reasons we let her go. What, what have you been up to, Jane? Um, have you been joy planning? I have been joy planning. I've been, do you know what? I've taken the joy plan. Um, I've taken it worldwide. Yeah, international. Oh, wow. Um, um, I've been taking the joy plan to, to America and um, they they like it. I bet. <laughs> like I mean, that's your, that's, your, that's your key audience. That's my yeah, key audience. That kind of that kind of joyful positivity is what is what everyone loves um, enforced no, I, joyful I was, positivity i would enforced yeah no cynicism I was, um i was running in um central park last week and it was the most joyful running experience ever like so many people so many runners so many cyclists just yeah. lapping just lapping for it's joy. a good it's a hotbed that 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 park is kind of because i guess that in london or you know most cities there's kind of like alternatives in the UK, you know, you can kind of oh, do this park or this. Well, certainly in London, there's a few. You were lucky to have uh, some green spaces. Um, but that feels, Central Park feels like it. it. It was it was where, if I was going to host a Joy Plan event, that's where <laughs> I'd do it. Because honestly, like, I think it's, do you know what? I think it's because um, you have to stop and cross the road every 10 seconds, don't you? When you're trying to run in New York because of the, like, blocks. Um, so, um I think it's where people go, but it felt like I was in a race. It was so great. I'll tell you, someone else who likes running for joy, as as, as well as medals, is our guest of the week. Guest of the week, here in the studio. Guest of the week, sometimes on the phone. Could be an athlete, could be a physio, or a complete unknown. Kadena Cox, welcome to the, the Runners World podcast. I was actually looking for your CV and I think if anyone wants to feel like an underachiever, they should look at, at what you've achieved <laughs> in your life. 
I think I'm right in saying four-time Olympian. You won golds in both cycling and running, which doesn't happen very often. You were a Lululemon ambassador. Um, and also, thrillingly, you were 2021 Celebrity MasterChef champion. So just an amazing, <laughs> amazing amount of strings to your bow. Uh, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> when people say it like that, I'm like, oh, really? Is that me? Uh, yeah. <laughs> what is it like... When we, uh, we, I mean, it's the same question we ask all Olympians. Like we have loads on, but we have a few, a few sometimes. What's it like winning an Olympic medal? Because can you describe that feeling? Is it an occult? Is it the culmination of all the work, or is it the event itself? What's the sort of like leading emotion? Um, do you know what? Sometimes, like it's literally just relief. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know when you like grafted for something like. We, it's a four-year cycle so we literally spend like four years like grafting for this one big moment um and you could totally muck it up like you could be like literally like you know world number one and absolutely muck it up or you could go in um not as defending champion or you know as second in the world um and manage to step up on the day um and I've I've had it from various angles like Rio I was kind of a, a nobody so to speak and you know I, I was able to just turn up and do what I did um Tokyo was totally different because I was defending champion and there's then an expectation um so I think that one was more relief. I think Rio was more like I oh god I've just done this really cool thing um and Tokyo was like thank goodness I managed to pull that off otherwise that would be a little bit awkward <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's yeah. Four year cycles is kind of get. I mean, we all get stressed about training blocks that last about three months. So I mean, four years is quite a long time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. five if you count the extra year we have to have. <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have any time off when you're doing that? I mean, I say time off. It's not like, but it, how do you manage the sort of like the training load with these with these blocks? Because you can't just be like peak fitness for four years no oh definitely <laughs> imagine that um i'd be like some unreal machine um no like so yeah we we do it like so obviously you've got uh it's really weird for me because obviously i've got two seasons of like two different sports that kind of run back to back um so we always have an off season so like in athletics you kind of your off season's like through the winter so like from like october-ish um and through till the indoor season which uh, some people starts like December, some people starts January. So uh, you kind of have, yeah, that kind of block kind of before Christmas to like do like your off season kind of like training. Um, and normally before that, people kind of end their season like um, end of August, September-ish. Um, and then they'll have a couple of weeks off there. So like get like four weeks just to kind of chill and do non-athlete stuff. Um, and then you get back into that off-season training um, and then you kind of have your indoor season if you're doing that and then you have a bit of another training block and then you're onto your outdoor season. Um, if you throw in cycling, it doesn't quite work like that because my cycling season starts, or it starts kind of like January, so a bit similar to the indoor season, I guess, for athletics. Um, but, I mean, I do take a break because... I do what I want, but like, yeah. it's quite hard because like a lot of like my training partners are like getting into like their like you know hard grinds when I'm like I'm just gonna wind down for a little minute you know just like, just for this athletic season. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's it's challenging doing the two sports, um, but I do get some downtime. I'm always on holiday, like I I love a a little little sun break, so um, I try to take breaks where I can. 
Yeah, absolutely. And obviously you've got two sports. Like how, which came first? How did you get into both? Like a bit about that kind of journey. Um, so I, I mean, I, my mum says I ran at seven months old. I walked seven months old, but mum claims I ran. Um, but I started athletics competitively uh, when I was like 14. Um, and then when I got on well in 2014 um, and became a Paralympian as opposed to an Olympian, I was then able to transfer um, across onto the GB team um, pretty quickly. Um, so I started, um, I guess, at an elite level in 2015 um, for athletics and pretty much started at the same time for cycling. I basically started cycling because I couldn't run um, because my balance was really bad after my MS diagnosis. Um, and it was kind of just like a, a training tool. Like a lot of us in athletics use um, cycling as cross training. So like I was just doing that thinking it was like, you know, a really helpful, smart thing to do. Um, turns out I was actually quite good at it. So I ended up getting sent to British Cycling, doing a bit of testing and got straight onto programme with them. Um, so yeah, 2015, I basically ended up on two British programmes, which I was initially told couldn't happen. There was like a rule around it that you couldn't be like elite and on two different programmes. And then, yeah, I feel like I broke the barrier on that one. And now quite a few people do it. <laughs> yeah, it's extraordinary to win, yeah, medals or win goals at the same Olympics in different disciplines. I mean, we, we often in running, there's that kind of talk about Emil Zatopek and how he won gold in 5,000, 10,000 metres and the marathon. But I think to win it in different sports is even more extraordinary because it's the training will quite required is obviously very different for each uh, for each one. Yeah, like it, it's, it's, it is challenging. Um, and I think, you know, as I've gotten older, um, I've realised how hard it is. Um, and also as like, you know, Paralympic sport moves on quite quickly. I mean, sport in general moves on quite quickly, but Paralympic sport moves on quite quickly. You've got youngsters coming through. You've got technology changing and things like cycling, like technology changes quite often. Um, and I think, you know, when you're trying to defend titles and trying to, you know, it's small margins after that for me, like being at the top of my game, it then becomes really, really hard. Um, and I'm such an injury prone athlete that just trying to stay in one piece is hard. So, yeah, doing two sports, you know, fatigue levels are high. I, I have MS and my fatigue levels are high anyway. Um, and you're trying to do, like, essentially use the same muscles, but in two different ways. Um, so really it shouldn't work. <laughs> you know, it's, um, it's a bit a bit of a challenge trying to balance it. I literally just had a meeting with um, my uh, my new new cycling coach and like my larger like um, support team to try figure out how we were going to move forward for the next two years and get to um, the next um, Paralympic Games in a good place um, mm. and figuring, out, figuring it all out. And my new coach was a bit like, oh, this is interesting because <laughs> obviously he's not like had to deal with an athlete that doesn't know a sport. He's like, okay, I'm just a cycling coach. Um, but he's really open to it, which is great. <laughs> he's just like, okay, I just need to think about these little things. As far as training with MS, Kadena, so if, if people aren't that familiar with the, the condition, like what, what are some of the challenges around trying to be an elite athlete but have but having MS and what are some of the kind of considerations that you need to to make when when training? Yeah, so like one of the major things with MS is fatigue. Um, so I struggle massively with fatigue. Um, so a lot of the time I don't really have the best social life. Like I spend a lot of time basically napping, um, just trying to like catch up on like any recovery I can. Um, so I, I kind of base my life on what's called the spoon theory, and it essentially says you have ten spoons in a day. 
like you can get up and you know it'll take you two spoons to shower you know if you have to do the dishes it's going to take like another spoon like if you've got to walk the dog that's another two spoons training I normally like yeah that's something like five or six spoons <laughs> like so like that's half my spoon is gone in a day and like you can take spoons from tomorrow but that means you're going to be impacted tomorrow because then you've only got like eight spoons so like that's how I kind of look at my fatigue so I'm what, what it's always a balancing up with the fatigue um but then I get really bad like muscle spasms which then can like impact like my training so um if I'm like you know doing like cycling stuff it can be dangerous like if I'm having spasms and I can't control the bike um the same if you know I'm in the gym or if I'm doing running um you know it's easy to pick up injuries when you're like not in control of your body so well um I have limited sensation in my feet so I actually I have the, the the only sensation I have in my feet is um I have like tingling sensations so it's like really extreme pins and needles um which has then been dampened down by medication so I now have like this do you know like if you like kind of like was sat on your leg for ages and then you stand mm. up and you've got like this tingling that's yeah. kind of what I've got yeah. like all the time and that's my sensation so when I'm like if you've ever had that feeling when you like touch it like you get that weird like feedback when you're like touching so that's my feedback on the ground um reduced like I say by medication um but then it means like you know when you're running you kind of know where you're placing your feet whereas I've got that sensation and no proprioception so actually learning how to like place my feet um and know where I'm hitting the ground can sometimes be like a real challenge so it's just mm. a lot of it's muscle mm. memory thanks to having ran before but like yeah that can be a real challenge and when my coach is like do this do that and I'm like I thought I was it's like really having to like work with like my coaches to make sure they're like giving me the right feedback so I can then figure out where I need to be yeah I like the spoons though I'm gonna have to start oh, oh me that's too. a great way of judging the day I'm gonna have to start doing that that sounds really useful because you do I mean you know everyone you know, everyone's managing effort and load and, and recovery and all those sorts of things so I'm gonna start questioning how many spoons I'm using up yeah. I like that a lot <laughs> it's cool like when you like look at like things like do I actually need to do that like yesterday yeah. my dishes really needed doing but I was like don't have the energy so they're gonna stay till tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> great I love that excuse. I'm going to use that now as well. <laughs> I mean, your, your route into the sport was probably a little bit different in the fact that you sort of competed before your diagnosis and, and all those things. But what are the, the biggest hurdles in terms of accessibility to para sport that, that people face? Um, I think depending on the sport that you do, it can be cost. Um, I, I, I am a real advocate for getting uh, people from different different backgrounds whether it's ethnic backgrounds whether it's kind of um, getting more females involved uh, mm. getting more disabled people involved in cycling just because cycling is such an expensive sport um yeah. like when I, I got my first bike I had to fundraise to get my first bike um and you know look, luckily once I got on program I was you know fully supported but like prior to that it's really hard to try get involved in a sport if you don't have you know the, the family support or like the support that are from yourself um so that 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 is a challenge also like just accessibility to facilities can sometimes be you know a real problem um it's obviously improving but like you know I know a lot of my friends um that are wheelchair users that can you know turn up to places and like not be able to get in because like it's just not accessible um most Paralympians were, were just I don't know I feel like Paralympians are like cut from a different breed so once you like once you spent enough time around Paralympians, you realise we just, like, I remember, and this is obviously not totally sport-related at all, but I remember getting to a club with um, with with a rower who's a wheelchair user, and it was like, 
this dingy club that was like down in a basement and there was like a load of stairs. And literally we got to the entrance and she was just like, Oi and just got one of the guys to like flip her over his shoulder and then someone grabbed the wheelchair and brought her down into the club. <laughs> yeah, she wasn't missing out. Quality. Yeah. That's quality. But that's it, like but it's a little bit different when you're like this was after like twenty sixteen and we were all celebrating. Um yeah. but yeah, like when you're trying to get into like facilities just to be able to train, like that's it's a real problem. Um, like in athletics, you've got you know racing chairs that are expensive. You've got to be able to find that like if you're a throw, you got a, for a fan of throwing frames, and even people in the sport find it hard to get throwing frames. Um, and then it's then just knowing where to go. Like I remember, so I'm a physio as well, um, and I was working with um, a young girl who was um, she she had a spina bifida and was just kind of figuring out. She was quite young, so she's kind of figuring out you know what she was going to do with herself and she just um started having to use a wheelchair more often like she'd used like a frame for a while and she was kind of not feeling comfortable using a wheelchair um and I was trying to like help her and I was like well maybe try sport and like her and her mum just didn't know how to get into like any sport and he was just lucky I I was the physio at that time so I was able to be like I know this blah 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 but that's because I was involved in like Paralympic sport anyway um but like they just didn't know how to go about it and I think you know not knowing is sometimes thing I think London 2012 has obviously helped massively with like moving things forward and having that support but like there's so many different barriers um and as much as it's improving it's still like I feel like London 2012 like gave us a massive boom and then it kind of has like halted a little bit so it's just kind of keeping that momentum going because it is a challenge like when you do have a disability what like how is your training how is your training going this year what are you currently training for and how's everything going on that kind of perspective um really awkward question it's not <laughs> um, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, no, I, um, so i mean i nearly missed the games last year through the same injury so i've got a uh, really bad achilles tendonitis in both achilles um which is yeah it's not ideal um so last year i spent like three months unable to run um, so I literally had like five weeks of training before the Paralympics. So I'm impressed with how well I did. I give myself a pat on the back for that one. Um, yeah, but for sure. like this year, um, I think I got three sessions into training. Then I had a quad issue, um, which lasted like five weeks. And then when that kind of eased up, my Achilles um, on the right side flared up. And I was just like, this is not the time. I'm trying to like, you know, get some qualifications done here. Um, and then uh, the left one just wanted to join the party. So that flared up a couple of weeks ago. Um, and off the back of that, I tore my, um, I tore my calf um, racing um, two weeks ago. So currently I'm just rehabbing. So I, I've got the next kind of four weeks of rehab um, and kind of see where the rest of the season leads me. Um, I've got Cycling World Championships in October, which I'm really looking forward to. Um, I lost my world title in 2020. Um, but obviously then uh, retained my uh, Tokyo um, Paralympic title. Um, so it would be nice to claim back the world title um, as well this year. Um, so that's kind of a really big aim for me. Um, and yeah, I'm not really sure like what I'm doing running wise, because like I say, I've literally just like started rehabbing my, my um, Soleus tear. So that's a process guys <laughs> oh, right yeah and it's a matter of like re I guess it's like reframing isn't it so it's like okay that's not a goal this year this is my goal instead and how like is that really challenging when I guess I'm trying to say like from 
if I got injured before a marathon, I'd be like, okay, well, I'll do this instead. And that's fine. But when you're an athlete, that's your life. Like, how easy is it to kind of be like, okay, I'm going to put that on the back burner and focus on this for now? Yeah, it's, it's hard. Um, like, really hard. I, I've really struggled. Um, yeah. It's, I think when you've like, you set, like, you have, like I say, we work on four year cycles and you have like, you know, championships that you're aiming for and you, you know, you're trying to qualify for this championship and do this and I think you just become like it just becomes like it, that is your life and that's so normal and I've never not qualified for a championship um so I'm now like in this bizarre position where I'm like oh my god that's not happened and because and it's not happened before I find it really hard to be like okay I'm not doing that championship like and like really being like okay, like, no, I'm actually not doing that. And because, like, I've literally planned already, like, doing that championship, like, you know, how it's going to work, like, my training up until that point, my year up until that point, and, like, I haven't, like, got working, like, I've turned down work, you know, focusing on, like, doing championships. And then you're like, okay, now I have to refigure, like, like a good, like, you know, three, four months out, which I didn't, you know, kind of plan for. And now I'm rehabbing instead, which is also quite, um, it can be quite, like, I don't know like re- rehab is sometimes harder than normal training and it can be quite you know draining and a bit demoralizing you know especially like mid-season like I literally got injured at the beginning of the season which is just rough um and then you've got to watch like you know all your like competitors like competing like your teammates and you know it's, as much as I find it exciting like I, I love athletics so I still like get like an absolute buzz just by watching people um but it's rough like you know when you want to be competing so yeah, there's part of the time when I'm like, oh, I actually don't want to watch. So, like, I won't watch, like, races I should be in. Like, I'll just, like, watch people. Like, I'm like, yay, I'm going to support the team. Um, But, you know, if you see me literally on a sun lounger for a lot of this summer, it's because <laughs> I just need to get away from the world of sport. And be like, I'm just going to have, like, a good sunbathe. Because um, it is rough. But, like, luckily, like, I've got the two sports, which makes it a little bit easier to be able to reframe and be like, okay, this is my goal. Um, And also, like, because we're, like, two years out from the next Paralympics I've been able to go actually like the last two years I've basically just had injury after injury back to back to back um and I'm like now actually I've got plenty of time like if I don't compete in athletics for the rest of the season my next major championship in athletics isn't until next summer um so between like kind of for the next 12 months all I've got is the cycling world championships um so I can you know focus on that and also focus on just rebuilding my body so I'm really robust so that I go into the next Paralympic Games, which again, you know, talking four-year cycles, that's the the major goal. Um, so I can get into that and be, you know, in the best shape of my life and not be fallen to pieces, which is basically what I am at the moment. I'm held together by tape. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Runner's World Podcast. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems, too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. 
Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flip this now because oh, we talk, we talk, because we've talked about the injury. But the positives, the positives of sport in your life. Um and uh, firstly, the sort of physical side. I mean, how and you talked about how you've been a physio and you're, you know, recommending sport as, as part of treatment for people with different conditions. How how much has sport helped you in the management of your condition? And, and do you know, like it's anecdotal, but, you know, people who maybe have MS but don't exercise and how their condition behaves and, and you know, you know you've got to be an advocate for kind of like keeping moving right like that's got to be such an important part of it all yeah no obviously i'm like literally like guys decent sport yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, it's a bizarre one because like when i like when i was diagnosed like i was so i studied at the time and one of the first modules i came back onto was a uh, my neuro module which had an ms as you know one of the conditions um and kind of not long before that so i was diagnosed like eight years ago um so not long before that kind of the recommendation was that you didn't do any sport like like physical activity was like a no-no um because it could like you know you're exerting yourself so you know creating that fatigue and it could stress you out which could create a relapse um so it's kind of like no don't do any physical activity um and then that's really flip turned um and it's like no like get into physical activity it's really beneficial for you um physically so for me like I I was like my balance was so bad like before um well when I was diagnosed so I the first things I got back into was um I did like uh weight training um so like just to be able to like like with that proprioception things and like just strengthening the muscles so they were able to have better control like I was doing like I got back into like back squatting pretty quickly um which like <laughs> the fact that I could barely walk without falling over but I could back squat was pretty impressive yeah um and then like yeah just doing like you know like sim- like simple movements like a squat um and then we'd like you know like do deadlifts and then we moved on to like being able to do like lunges and split squats um all with like assistance in the beginning because honestly I was a hazard to myself um but then um I did pilates again hazard to myself like I spent a lot of time on the floor but I had a really good like yoga and pilates um instructors which like really helped with like the adaptations um and that really helped with like my balance and my proprioception um which allowed me to be able to get back into running because genuinely like I would literally take two steps and be on the floor um and without you know having done that like yoga and pilates and then that strengthening work in like um doing like gym work um I would never have been able to you know get back in and then just like being able to do like cycling just allowed me to build like a tolerance to just being able to walk more you know like you know just having that like extra reserves in my body like when it, I had I had training, so like the, my reserve was higher than what it would have been if, I, you know, I when I was detrained. Um, so I always say it's really beneficial. But like, so I I did my um, my dissertation um, on the effects of physical activity on children with cerebral palsy, 
um because it's something I'm really passionate about um when I went to the Paralympics and I kind of saw like the different disabilities like in this country we are really lucky with kind of the support we have like in in the um healthcare sector um which allows like you know children born with impairment to be able to have the best kind of shot and there's a lot of impairments we don't get because of kind of I guess like um not being like a third world country you know having like clean like you know water and you know all those little bits and pieces that um means they're unfortunate and you know have all these other conditions we don't get um but that meant like you know going to the the Paralympics the first time I literally I was like blown away by all these conditions I'd never seen before um but then what sport had given them back was just so amazing um like seeing how people could like you know move their body and like use their body and still be like really like happy and content and like mentally like really like happy but like physically doing stuff that I bet that like, their physios and their occupational therapists are like you're never going to be able to do yeah. that you know you know those ones like when they're like yeah, yeah. parents told all your child's never going to be able to do that but like then I'm like sat at the Paralympics thinking wow like how on earth and honestly it just blew my mind and as a physio I was like okay this is what I want to do I want to be able to make that difference in a child's life and I think physical activity like sport like that can do that for a child so you know and then you take that into older life or, or you're like me and you, you know you get diagnosed later in life and again it can be used like for me I was in such a low place and the only way I managed to get out of that hole was by having the goal of getting back to sport um and mentally it was just what got me through um like physically it gives you the happy hormones like everyone knows about the happy hormones um so you get that and then like just like just having a goal and being able to you know tick those goals off like you guys know what it's like you know when you know you, you hit a target like you're buzzing yeah, like yeah. So yeah. Mm. it's just th- yeah. those little things so I, i'm literally like guys get involved in any form of physical activity is fabulous oh, that's for you. great that's great to hear that <laughs> so um, good. can i ask you about technology because we often talk about it um people who come on and i wonder about the role that maybe shoe technology plays in in paralympic sport as well you mentioned being injured with achilles problems are these new shoes that are in there are they helpful when it comes to managing injury or do they kind of exacerbate it um i think it depends on like you know uh what what shoes like you you work with like i've um found um like different shoes work for me like different like with me with my Achilles issues like you know um comfort and stability is a a real key thing and you know technology is playing a massive role in that and um I work with uh Lulu Lemon who have brought out this new um Blissfield shoe which um was made for women based on women rather than a men's shoe being turned into a women's shoe um and like they've really looked at like you know the athlete and the runner and how they can support and you know the stability around the shoe and kind of just allowing you to be able to run those miles um, and, you know, be as comfortable as possible. And they feel like you're literally like running on a cloud. Um, And they've been really helpful for me, like, you know, just when I've needed to offload um, my, my, um, my cast a little bit and, you know, just walk, walk in, you know, um, a little around a little bit that they've been really like great, like, you know, in being able to offload that little bit. Um, but then you look at like the technology of like running spikes right now, there's this kind of whole like new like um, wave of um, carbon like plates that are like really changing the game. Um, and I can like, you know, <laughs> attest to the fact that they are really changing the game. Like, I-, I ran PB our season's best last year that were massive, which I didn't think I'd be able to do. Um, and you see people just absolutely flying in these new season. It is, it is a real like, it's a big thing now like for me it's bizarre because in cycling like technology like is it's 
it is the sport like you know like your bike and like your kit like it's a massive thing like I've had like carbon shoes like I got fully carbon shoes like molded carbon shoes um and we have like carbon bikes and cranks and the wheels like it's like that's a whole thing but like yeah it's only just coming into yeah, athletics yeah, yeah. so everyone's getting excited like oh my god we've got these carbon <laughs> shoes and I'm like yeah oh my god, come on running yeah but yeah like it's it's making such a difference like you'll you'll see obviously like at the games last year you know uh world records were just like dropping um and hopefully you'll see the same this year because that technology is keeping to move on and you know it's more accessible to you know everyone to be able to get them and um different brands are now like bringing it in so i think it's just an exciting time for the sport of athletics definitely absolutely um, um go for it jane so obviously you mentioned the bliss field that's where we were we met and we were catching up about how we both were obsessed with keeping our shoes clean (laughs) but I guess that's probably not one that our listeners care about but um (laughs) you spoke you spoke about kind of exercising for your mental health a lot of this event and how important it is for you to exercise for your mental health and is that something that's kind of you you kind of really that that obviously is really important to you and I wonder if you could like chat a bit about it because I found it really inspiring when you spoke about it at the event oh um (laughs) Yeah, no, it is, like, I think for me, like, having, like I say, when when I was diagnosed, I was in a really, really dark place, um, and um, since then, I've really struggled with different parts of, like, my mental health, so I really openly speak about the fact that I've got an eating disorder, um, and it, even though in some ways, you know, sport um, is detrimental, can be detrimental within an eating disorder, actually, for me just that routine um of still having like my sport to be able to do and like you know being able to like I remember like when I was diagnosed with MS and I I wasn't able to run all I wanted to do was run and be in my happy place and like literally running is just like my happy place just like I feel free like you know you can just like run for I'm not gonna say hours or miles because I really (laughs) don't do that but like (laughs) <laughs> I can run for like seconds like <laughs> yeah um I do reps it's fine but like you literally can just like run and like, like you know I'm going fast and I'm literally just like you know you've got the wind in your hair like you know you're, you're like sometimes you're beating people which is always good or you're like running with like your group and that's just like it's really satisfying to you know that to be within that group and you know just training together like it's like great like bands and all I wanted to was to be back in that place um and I think that's making me really appreciate um what sport has given me just like having gone through that experience and not really taking it for granted anymore um and I think like now like so I was actually speaking to um my physio yesterday and I was like she was like I think we just need to give you something to do so you've got like routine and like you're like just a little bit like less anxious and a little bit like yeah just like happier just like able to like you know get on with like doing some training because like for me like I just I just love like you know being involved in sport and like I'll, I'll just get miserable like you know I get like stressed out about stuff and really anxious about stuff I don't need to be anxious about like if I can't like do sport and I think for so many people it gives back so much and like like I say with me like it was you know you have that goal and I think when you're really struggling with your mental health just having little goals and small wins um can really help you like you know have a focus and be on track and not be so like um overwhelmed by what's kind of going on um in your mental health headspace and again we speak about the happy hormones like you know you get so much back by doing exercise like when the endorphins and all the other good stuff is like released um and I think 
for me, I just, I find that as well as kind of being able to, you know, help yourself personally, like you find that sense of like community as well. Um, and actually you could in, in that community, you can be helping and supporting someone else. And that actually then is really beneficial to you because that makes you feel better about you and, and what you're, you're doing. So I think it's like, yeah, like it can be used in so many different ways. Um, but for me, like without my sport, I'd kind of be so lost um, mm. and just not not be a happy, wholesome Kadena. Like yeah. I literally, I'd not done anything for like three days and I'm like itching. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like yeah. guys, I'm getting stressed out. <laughs> I'm like yeah, yeah, yeah. trying to like walk my dog like extra. <laughs> We're going for a nine hour walk. Come on. <laughs> She's literally the tiniest little dog. She's like cat size. She's a miniature cat and as well. And what does it mean to be for you to be a Lululemon ambassador? What does the brand kind of mean to you? I guess. Um, I think one of the most important things to me about being a Lululemon ambassador is the fact that they're so inclusive um, and they're like uh, forward moving um, and you know wanting to create change. Um, the fact that they've got you know me on as um, a disabled black female like that that for me is you know great and then like you know you'll see like so I I did a shoot with them and you know there was people like there were so many of us that looked different um, but we was all there for one common goal of like we, we like to run um, and Lululemon just support that like they're, they're just supporting you know like great athletes you know great people that are involved in sport like it doesn't matter who you are or where you come from, like they support that. Um, and then like the they're just their technology in their shoes, but then there's technology in their clothing. Like if you wore their align pants, like oh my god, like they're literally <laughs> the comfiest things ever. Like you literally feel like you've got a second skin on, like you look great. That was a massive thing for me. I was like, I just need to look great. Like I'm just here for like colours. Like I got a really boring <laughs> jumper on today. It's literally just burgundy. Like I'm normally like, give me like bright colours, like blocky colours. Um, which Lululemon do so well Um, and I think yeah they're just a great brand to work with like really supportive like you know getting into like um, different spaces like we all know what kind of where they started like they were more like yoga kind of like more like middle class um, and they're really like you know wanting to diversify and move into different spaces so you know working with me working with an athlete especially like the Europe brand we haven't like there's not been so much within like the elite um, sport kind of area and like yeah working with me um a disabled athlete as well is, is really a step in like a, a great direction and they've just taken on um two ambassadors in the US um one of them who is a fellow Paralympian um and his partner who is um an up-and-coming long jumper um and it, it's just great to see you know like they're just so diverse and that's one of the things that I really love about them the fact that they're just so inclusive but then they have me looking great <laughs> <laughs> Kaduna, thank thanks so much for making the time to to come on the Runners World podcast and talk to us about um yeah all the things that are important to you and we wish you all the best um with cycling and running in the future amazing stuff and thank you again for your time. Oh no, thank you guys for having me on. It's been great to chat to you. Enjoy those holidays. Yeah, enjoy the holiday. Enjoy the Sunday. Pending, I was literally booking holidays while on holiday. (laughs) (laughs) So that brings us to the end of this week's Runs World podcast. A huge thanks to our guest, Kadena Cox, and to you, of course, for listening. Uh, you can once again subscribe to three issues of Runners World for just five pounds. Head to hearstmagazines.co.uk slash Runners World Podcast to get this exclusive 
listener offer. And you can listen to the Runners World podcast on Acast, iTunes, all your favourite podcast apps. Just search Runners World UK and subscribe. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50-80% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 